full of the Maimer, which is why this Maimer is famous. So it discusses the Indian of how to do tshuva and how it must be done in our day. So we'll get there, but first let's see what happens. Shaykh to Parsha not so long ago, right? Tev Kislev, Yudzayin Bekislev. Margala Bafuma the Rav. There was something that was common. Margala is from the language of Ragil, something regular. I assume the word regular comes from the word regil. Margala Bafuma the Rava. Rava used to say something. Tachlis Chochma Tshuva Maisim Tevin. That the ultimate expression of Chochma is Tshuva and Maisim Tevin. Now, we'll see that that isn't what we would think it means. We would think it means that you use your Chochma to come to Tshuva and Maisim Tevin, but it's very, very clear from. Rashi and the Frida Grabi's question based on Rashi that that's not what it means. So we'll see what it does mean. Shenemar, the Pasuk says, the Pasuk that is the source of Rava's statement, Rava again, Tachlis Chokma, the ultimate expression of Chokma is Tshuva and Maisim Tevim. Shenemar, Reishis Chokma Yiras the beginning of Chokma, the first step in Chokma, whatever that means, is the fear of God. Seichel Tev Lechol Oisehem. A good intellect to all that do them. Now, it's interesting. It doesn't say, as the, as the Rebbe is going to quote right now, this is what Chazal say. This is the Gemara. The Gemara says, It doesn't say a seichel teiv to all those who learn them. You think seichel is relevant to learning, so it should be a good seichel for all those who learn them, but it doesn't say that. To the ones who do them. Right? Okay. So that's obviously the Maisim Tevim. Right, so the pasuk says, the, the Rava says, "Tachlis chokma tshuva and maisim tevim." That the ultimate expression of chokma is two things: tshuva and maisim tevim. And he quotes a pasuk. So the first thing the pasuk mentions is chokma. The second thing the pasuk mentions is yiras Hashem, which you would assume is makbil, parallel to tshuva. And then seichel tev lecholei seim. There's a good seichel to all those who do them. Those are the maisim tevim. Right? Okay, that's what you would assume. Right. Vahainu, that's that's the end of the Maimar Chazal. Those those three lines, Vahainu the Mizesh and Emar from the fact that it says now he explains it. It's very obvious. The fact that it says Reishis Chokma Yiras Havayo that the beginning of Chokma is Yiras Hashem is is awe of the Kaddish Baruch Hu. Muvan, it's understood from that that Tachlis Chokma Hu Tshuva. And again, we'll just translate it at this point as the ultimate expression of Chokma is Tshuva. Umizen, from the fact that it says in the same Pasuk, that there's a good seichel to all that do them, move on. From that it's understood, since the emphasis is on the idea of doing, so that's Maisim Tevim, that's good deeds. So we see that the two ideas that Rava talked about are mentioned in the Pasuk, and Rav himself brings the Pasuk. This it say, is said explicitly in the Pasuk, right? it's a good seichel, it's good intellect to all that do them, specifically to the ones that do them. Again, not, as Chazal said, the ones that learn them. And not only that, afterwards, in the the Gemara that we just learned, it's explained in Tarsha Pesh, doesn't say the ones who will who will learn them, meaning you would think, learn Torah, right? So Torah is a good seichel, Torah is amazing intellect, but rather to the ones who do them. Okay. That this is very exact. Okay, so far the Rebbe said, simple shot in Rubber's statement. Okay, now the Rebbe's going to ask uh, a question that the Frida Grebbe asks. <coughs> and then there'll be a tangent. The reason we're learning the mimer is the tangent. The reason most people learn this mimer is the tangent. Even though the answer to the question that we're about to ask is also astounding, but that'll be after the tangent. The parenthetical mimer within the mimer that we're going to get to in the next paragraph. But first, the Rabbi asks the question: It's well known the Maimer of the Friedrich Rebbe on this statement of Rava. 
from Shabbos Parshas V'yishlach Taf Reish Pei Tes, 91 years ago. Right? It's now Taf Shin Pei, so Taf Reish Pei Tes, the math is pretty easy. But say from my mom Kuntresim, in Kuntresim, right? And we talked about Kuntresim earlier because uh, we ran across Kuntresim. A number of, a uh, Kuntres is like a pamphlet. So a number of the Maimarim, of the Fidik Rebbe, over a period of years, were, were, they would come out in pamphlets so the Hasidim could get them because things were, you know, I mean, <coughs> life was rather, I mean, incredible turmoil in Russia and then in Poland. So the Hasidim weren't around the Rebbe because the Fidik Rebbe became Rebbe in 1920. Anybody who knows a little European history in 1920, being a Rebbe in Russia was not so easy, right? I mean, Chassidim were scattered, the revolution had happened, I mean, it was an absolute turmoil. Rebbe was there for 10 years in Russia, then went to Poland, spent the next 10 years in Poland. If you don't know what happened in Poland, then I don't know where you've been, right? So the Rebbe was there for 10 years, and then finally made it to New York in 1940. So the Friedrich Rebbe is 30 years of Rebbe, 10 years in Russia, 10 years in Poland, 10 years in America, uh, were, were certainly tumultuous years. America was tumultuous in a spiritual sense, not in a physical sense, Baruch Hashem, but in a spiritual sense, because the Rebbe encountered complete desolation when he got to America and worked very, very hard to undo that. With the famous statement, oh, what the Fidu Rebbe say when he got to America? America is Netanderish, right? America is no different, meaning America can have Jewish education and shuls just like anybody else, and they don't have to compromise on anything. Mm-hmm. <coughs> For bringing Tuesday night here, I'm sure, was astounding. But we also had about 30 Mayanot Hevra in a uh, fancy room, plus about 20 other people there, you know, Balabatim were at the dinner. So there were about 50 people in a, in a very fancy room in the Hilton Hotel in Manhattan. For bringing started after the dinner at 10 o'clock and went till 2.30 in the morning. And it elevated Manhattan in a way that Manhattan hasn't seen for quite a while. Baruch Hashem, and the Bachim said it was like sitting in Mayanot. Guys were dancing on the tables. It was unbelievable. It was like Mamish, like a Mayanot for Bregan. The energy in the room was Mayanot energy. It was incredible. Baruch Hashem. So America is Netanderish, even Manhattan. Right? I don't know whether I should be quoted on this, but I'm not going to turn off the machine. It's all right. Famous statement of Rav Mendel, where Rav Mendel went to New York the first time. So, Elam Hazah, I mean, you guys have learned enough Hasidus to know that Elam Hazah is a function of energy that emanates down through the upper worlds, through Gatzilus, Bri, Yetzir, right, to finally get to see Ruchnis, to spiritual Elam Hazah, until this world. So the, the, the physicality is called by Chazal, by, by the, in Chazidus, Shimrei Eifonim, the refuse of the angels. Right, refuse, like, you know, you have refuse. Right, okay, so the angels have refuse. What's their refuse? Physicality, So when Rav Mendel first saw Manhattan, he made a very, very famous statement. The Malachim had good gekakdo. The Malachim really went to the bathroom here. Because <laughs> right? what is that? It's refuse from the angels. There's a lot of refuse from the angels here. You never saw a gashmis like that. I mean, it's, you know, downtown Eilamaza. That's Manhattan, right? I mean, there is no place in Eilamaza that represents Eilamaza more than that place. I mean, that's it for, you know, better or worse. All the good stuff in Eilamaza, all the bad stuff in Eilamaza. So that's what we bring about all night in Yetiskis. We elevated all that stuff. It was amazing. America is Netanderish. So that was the Fidik Rebbe. So the Fidik Rebbe used to, the, 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 my mind were printed in Kuntresim, pamphlets. And then, once there were enough Kuntresim, so of course they, that was put into a book. A book called Kuntresim. Reasonable enough, a compilation of all these pamphlets. And there's three such svarim. And uh, they're very, very important in my mind. They're generally the my mind that in boys after Bar Mitzvah, the first year in Yeshiva, Shir Aleph in Yeshiva Ketana, and what's called in America Masifta, they'll usually learn the Maimarim from Friedrich Rebbe Kuntresen. That's usually what they start learning. They're rel- you know, relatively easy, but they're extremely important Maimarim. So here we're quoting one of those Maimarim. But say from Maimarim, which the Rebbe quotes often, but say from Maimarim Kuntresen, Shesham Maschil, that there it begins by Maimar Chazalze. The Dibra Maschil is this Maimar Chazal. It doesn't say Margul of Fumadara, but there it starts Taklis Chokhmachuva Maisim Tevin. Just leaves out the the introduction of Margul of Fumadara, this thing that was said regularly by Rava. The Gemara says that. 
The Gemara says Margil Bufuma the Rav. But in, in the Debra Maskal of the Friedrich Rebbe's Mimer, he left that out. Now, the Rebbe, this is completely unusual for a Mimer, for the Rebbe to say the next two lines, but they're here. So it's just fascinating. The Friedrich Rebbe adds, Amar Mokem, meaning he says where this is from, which is very rare. You've probably noticed in Chassidus that the Rebbeim will just say, Amru Chazal, and they'll quote it. Maybe they'll say what Masechet is, but they never say Daf and Amud, ever in a Mimer. Just say, you know, in Brachas it says, or in Babakam it says, or Chazal say, and just quote the Chazal, and they'll tell us where it's from. Very rare in the Mimer itself. There'll be footnotes below often, but in the Mimer itself, it's very rare for the Rebbe, any of the Rebbeim to quote the source. So the Friedrich Rebbe actually quotes the source. So the Rebbe mentions that and says that that itself is unusual. So the Rebbe's doing something unusual relative to what the, meaning relating to it, after the Friedrich Rebbe did something unusual, quoting the source. Right, happens to mention that this Gemara of Margalafu and the Rabbah is on 17a, right? Yud Zayin Amad Aleph in Brochus. The Rebbe explains, maybe, perhaps, this is the hint that the Friedrich Rebbe wants to give by virtue of saying where this Gemara is from. Ki Yud Zayin, now if you notice the date of this Mimer also, it's Yud Zayin Bekislev. Tev is Gematria Yud Zayin. So this mimer was said, so I, that's probably why the Rebbe is saying this, but it's so unusual, in a sicha for sure, so unusual that this would be in a mimer, but okay, here it is. Who are we to tell the Rebbe how to be Rebbe, right? He's, he's better at it than we would ever be. Kiyud Zion, who begematria teif, has the numerical value of teif, meaning it's on page teif in Brochus, who bezeg gufa, and in the teif itself, beteif gufa, it's Amr Aleph. The beginning of Tev, meaning a very powerful expression of Tev. So this is a really amazing Gemara. Okay. Inyan I'm sorry, Umevi al the Friedrich Rebbe brings regarding this, the Chokhmi Hitayra. When the Pasek says, when, when, I'm sorry, when Rava says, Tachlis Chokhma, he means the Tachlis of Torah, learning Torah. The ultimate expression of learning Torah is Chuvan Maisim Tevim. Now, you and I would think, okay, but don't think this very long. I'm saying this because this is probably what you're thinking already. Even though I was taught to never say the wrong shot, because people remember the wrong one and not the right one. But what's your Havamina? You're probably going to think that this means the ultimate purpose of Chachma is to come to Chuvan. Perfectly reasonable. That's not how the Rebbe explains it. Or Rashi. The Friedrich Rebbe explains it based on Rashi. It's not that the ultimate purpose of learning Torah is to come to tshuva. That's not what it means, right? Not. Okay. So that's out. Out of our head now. Right? Because that's, that's how you would translate it. The Indian tachlis chokhma tshuva maisim tevim. The idea of the ultimate expression of chokhma is tshuva and maisim tevim. Hu keperish Rashi. Is like Rashi explains on that pasuk. In Tila. Rashi Antila. Sheikara shel Tera, the Iker of Tera, Sheyehe Ima, that there should be with it Tshuva Umaisim Tevim. Not that Tara brings the Tshuva Umaisim Tevim, but that the learning of Tara is with Tshuva Umaisim Tevim. That's how Rashi says Pshat in the Pasuk. Tachlis of the statement of Rava based on the Pasuk. Tachlis chokma tshuva maisim tevim. The ultimate expression of learning Torah is when it's done with tshuva and good deeds. Okay, so that's easy enough to understand, but that's very hard to understand, as the Rebbe's going to ask. I mean, to understand, we can understand the new reading of the words, but we don't understand what it means. At first glance, ain't a move on this, doesn't, this isn't understood. Why not? Shari Torah, learning Torah, Ikara, its essence is what? Yediya Vasoga Baseichel. Is knowledge and comprehension in Seichel, Shu in Yenachachma, which is what wisdom is. Learning Torah is, I mean, obviously it's godly, but it's intellectual. You have to understand an idea. You use your intellect to understand an idea. That's what, that's what learning Torah is. 
Ulazois, and in this because of this, mitzvah limud Torah, the the mitzvah of learning Torah, who shaloi made Torah by Ephen Shemavina Batam Vesvar Sichlis, that a person learns Torah in a way that they understand it with reason and with some sort of intellectual svara, intellectual logic, right? Learning Torah Shabal Peh. If you're learning Torah Shabal Peh and you don't understand it, then you're not Makayim the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. Why not? Well, because the mitzvah of Talmud Torah is to understand what you're learning, right? Why? I mean, that's what it means to learn something. So if I, if I don't understand what I'm learning, so I'm not being Makayim the mitzvah, it's like missing my arm with the tefillin. Well, I took the tefillin out of the bag, I just put them on my leg. Well, that's not putting on tefillin. You don't put your tefillin on your leg, you put tefillin on your arm. Okay, so what does it mean to learn Torah? It means to understand what you're learning. Learn Torah you don't have to understand Torah If you learn Torah reading Torah reading Tehillim, meaning, you know, not saying Tehillim to Davin, reading Tehillim as an exercise in learning it, and you don't understand everything you're saying, you're still Makayim the Mitzvah of Talmud Torah. Because Tarzah is godly by virtue of the fact that it's written, I mean, it, come, it comes from above. Tarzah Balpeh, Tarzah also comes from above, obviously. But the whole idea of Tarzah is to explain Tarzah I'm sorry, the whole idea of Tarzah Balpeh, oral law, is to explain the written law. So if I didn't explain anything, so I didn't do anything. Yeah? For example, the, um, the daily Tanya we do? Would that be considered Torah um, Balpeh? That's right? a very, very interesting question, which we're not going to get into, but that's a machlaikis. It's a machlaikis, Hasidim and Mekubalim, whether or not Kabbalah is Torah Shabbat or Torah Shabbat. You should understand Tanya. To understand it. Right? We hold it to Torah Shabbat. Right? I mean, even though we call it the Torah Shabbat of Hasidus, but you have to understand it. Right? And it's not hard to understand it. What does that mean? There are all sorts of books and translations and classes online, and you know, it's it's you have to avoid things in order not to run into Perusha Montagna. So you can understand it. Just get uh, what's his name? You know, the guy who wrote GPS for the soul. What's his name? Yeah, the Dove Cohen. So in the Dove Cohen's, he does he does he's in Hebrew and English, and his English is pretty good. He has an every day. You, you, I mean, I don't, my wife listens to it. I don't know how it's. I don't know where she gets it, but it must be on. It's obviously online because I hear it in the house all, all the time. So um, in Hebrew, he's excellent. He's just excellent, and he does it in seven minutes. The daily Danya. He's excellent. He also does exactly the same thing in English. Right? So not understanding Tanya is not. Uh, you know, if a person takes the time, they can understand it. Right? For this reason, the mitzvah of limud hatera he shall limud hatera beifin shemavina betamus varasiklis uma inyan chokma vavona vasaga. What is the matter? Meaning, what is the connection in this context of of wisdom, understanding, and comprehension? Lechuvu meisim tevim, techuvu meisim tevim. Sheinim shayachim lavona vasaga dafka that aren't connected necessarily to intellectual understanding. Meaning. Obviously, if we were to understand the Pasuk the way we said we thought we would, is what? The purpose of learning Torah is to come to Tshuva, so then it makes perfect sense. I get it. I learned Torah so that I should come closer to God. Makes perfect sense. But that's not the Pshat in the Pasuk, according to Rashi. The Pshat in the Pasuk is, the ultimate expression of learning Torah is when it's done with Tshuva. In other words, I've already done Tshuva, and then I'm learning. So the Rebbe asks a very reasonable question. What in the world is the connection between those two? Learning is intellect. Tshuva is something else. It might be the outcome of the intellect, but it's some other reality. And the Rebbe is going to show all sorts of very simple people who are anything but intellectuals and don't necessarily have a, a deep, sophisticated understanding of Torah do very serious tshuva and are very powerfully connected to God, what's one got to do with the other? As a matter of fact, the people who are often the hardest to connect to God are the people who are so impressed by their own intellect that they think they're smarter than God. The hardest nuts to crack are always those ones. Right? All sorts of people who think they're smarter than God, smarter than Chazal. Oh, the rabbis sort of got it, but I mean, I understand things a little better, so what they say doesn't isn't reasonable. 
that lack of bittel to Chazal makes it impossible to learn Torah. Right? If I don't think that Chazal have their finger on the pulse, then I can't possibly learn a, learn a page of Gemara, right? Because I, rather than trying to understand them, I'll just decide that I disagree with them. So I'll never understand it. Right? Chachma is bittel, right? What's Chachma? The source of our intellect is also the source of the greatest self-nullification, even though, interesting enough, the clip of Chachma is the greatest sense of Yeshus, <laughs> greatest sense of self. Um, I don't mean this as a put-down. I mean this just, interestingly, sociologically, less people come from Harvard to yeshivas than anywhere else. Why? Because they're just very impressed. They're, they're very bright. They are bright, right? And they're very impressed with their intellect, and they're taught to be impressed with their intellect. And it's very hard to break that down and say, well, maybe, maybe there's something else. No, I mean, they say, I'm the creme de la creme. I mean, like, I made it. That's hard to break down. Reasonably, right? And I'm not saying that as a, that's just a harder klipa. Right? Okay. So the Rebbe is asking a very, very powerful question. It, Rashi says, the pshat in the Pasuk is, is that the greatest intellectual achievement will happen with tshuva. What's the connection? I understand how intellectual achievement might bring me to tshuva, meaning understanding Torah more in a more sophisticated way will bring me to a closer relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. That I get. But why does the intellectual understand? Why is that based on the tshuva, which I seem to have done before? Why? That's the question that Friedrich Rebbe asked in the first paragraph. Okay? Now, in order to illustrate this, the Rebbe brings a, continues, even though we're going to, the tangent is starting soon. In a continuation of this matter, Friedrich Rebbe brings there, and you guys have learned enough my Maram of the Rebbe to know that the Rebbe's my Maram are usually based on my Maram of the other Rebbe, most specifically the Friedrich Rebbe, the Rebbe's Rebbe. Like we just said, the notion of tshuva is found by a number of simple people. We're not people of great intellectual standing. doesn't mean they're dumb. They just haven't necessarily had the time to sit and learn. So they're not people who necessarily know a lot of Torah. And they aren't intellectuals to the extent that they don't work that way. That's not how they, it's just not how they relate to reality, right? There's certain people, certain very, very, very bright people who aren't intellectuals, right? They just don't relate to reality that way. Okay. Doesn't mean they don't like learning ideas. The Haim and these people, are aroused greatly to do tshuva. In other words, the Rebbe is giving you a glimpse into what life in Europe used to look like. If you've any, ever read any stories, and you should read the stories, they're amazing stories of how the little, the little towns used to work. In a shtetl that was really, really small and had one shul, okay, so everybody davened in the, old, in, in the same shul, but in the bigger towns, how, do, how are shuls divided up generally? Profession. Right? The blacksmiths had a shul, and the... the you know, shoemakers had a shul, and different, different, right? And, and they're very simple people. And what would they do? They wouldn't necessarily come, and in those days, there's no chassidus, right? Even before the Baal Shem Tev, right? So you know, what, what would they, in order to prepare for davening, what would they do? They'd come early in the morning, and they'd say tehillim for an hour. You know, like equivalent to our time, 4.30 to 5.30, they'd say tehillim. And then they'd daven. That was their preparation for davening. How'd they say tehillim? So I was explaining with, with tears. Beichin, they would cry. Bamar nafsha, the bitterness of their soul. In tears of tshuva. Ukemesha anirayim b'muchash. Right? As we see in a concrete way, meaning harder to see this kind of Jew today. Matter of fact, you are you are amongst the only people in the world who might be able to find such a Jew, right? Because you happen to live where you live. Walk 
in walk into walk between here and Machne Yehuda at Mincha time and see the little shuls there, you know, the three shuls along the road. They all have nine guys in them, and they're all outside asking for a tenth. Why they don't join together to two and have, you know, 15 guys in each row, I don't know, but I think they're Jewish, right, okay? They're very Jewish, right? So walk up, and there's always a guy outside, tent. it's funny, because they, they'll say Asiri, like tenth, and they'll all say in Yiddish, center, center, because that's just become, you know, vernacular that everybody says, center, center, tenth, tenth, right? So they'll be out there, Asiri, Asiri, Minyan, Minyan, Minha, Minha, Right? Go look at those guys. Take a peek. There's usually a curtain. Take a peek in the shul. Go down in Mincha with them one day. Right? Take a peek. Simple guys. Work hard for a living. Most of them are wearing clothes that are dirty because they're working hard in some little place around here. Who knows what they're doing? And uh, and they're just simple Jews who you stop work and you go down in Mincha. Not a big deal. They don't make a big show of it. Let's go down Mincha. And those guys who are waiting, what are they doing? Sitting around and schmoozing? They're not schmoozing. They've all got it to hill them open and they're saying, they're doing <laughs> they're doing. Right? Maybe they're learning a little Chaykli Yisrael. Right? Very, the, the, the last remnants of what used to be called the Pasha Yid, the simple Jews. Most people aren't simple anymore. Very sophisticated. Because well, Eilam they're very sophisticated in Eilam so they'd like to be, there's always the odd Balchuvu who wants to be very simple in his Yiddishkeit. I want to just be a simple Jew. Rabbi, this learning is too much for me. I just want to be a simple Jew. Okay, Besed, sell your smartphone. Stop driving. Take all electronics out of your house and be a simple person in Gashmias. Then I'll believe you, you want to be a simple person in Ruchmias. Most people want to be very sophisticated in Gashmias. Have all sorts of stuff in Gashmias, all the latest. <coughs> right? In spiritual terms, you're not going to be simple then. You're going to have to develop a certain amount of sophistication to match the sophistication in Gashmias, because otherwise Gashmias is going to win. Right? It's exactly why the Rebbe said that women have to start learning more Torah in our generation. That's one of the, the Rebbe talked about different reasons why women should be learning Torah Shabbat Pat. They should learn Gemara and understand it. One of the reasons the Rebbe gave is. Women are very sophisticated, and their sophistication in worldly matters should match should be matched by their sophistication in Torah matters, or else worldly matters will win out. The, the, the women today are much are more different than their great grandmothers than you are from your great grandfather. You're different than your great grandfather, but less different than they are from their great grandmother. They're completely different than their great-grandmother. Their great-grandmother might not have known how to read. Good chance. Right? She davened. She knew all about that. Completely different. Or, you know, great-great, I don't know how far you have to go back. Maybe you have to keep adding greats now because time is passing. Right? <coughs> Huge difference. Okay, as I said, those women have to become sophisticated and terrible. Or else they'll express their sophistication in worldly matters. So if you can express, express your sophistication in Torah, so Baruch Hashem. Whatever, you know, whatever you're exposed to, you're going to express it in. Last night was very, very interesting. My wife and I were stuck in traffic driving home from Tzfas, but our, our son, Maiti Shabbos, they all sit around, they have a Malava Malka, he and his kids. His oldest is almost 12. So uh, they all sit around. And uh, and he's reading from Sefer Toldus of the Baal Shem Tov. Every every Mitzvah Shabbos they read a new story from the Baal Shem Tov. So la- I wasn't I wasn't there. I was do- doing something else when this was going on. So my wife told me so. Th- so he got he got to the end of the story and he said, "Okay, next week the Hit Galut, the revelation when the Baal Shem Tov reveals himself as the Baal Shem Tov." So evidently the three older ones. Said, no, no, now, now, you have to read it now. You have to read it now. Okay. He didn't read it now. It's next week. So these kids, what's their metach? What's their like? What's going to happen? The Valshemtiv. Right? What could it be? A soap opera. Some television series, right? You take your 11-year-old, put him in front of the television, so watch a series, and he'll get all excited. What's going to happen next? Okay. You can do exactly the same thing with the Baal Shem Tev. If you want your kid to grow up and believe in God and care about that, what's more important? Like, what, what, what's going to 
keep them thinking of godly things. The Baal Shem Tov is going to be, what's that? Come on, stop, but please read the next story so we'll know what happens with the Baal Shem Tov next. It's no less exciting. It's very exciting. Just a matter of what your, you know, what framework you're bringing them up in. Okay, so we're going to express those emotions and intellect. We're going to express it in something. So what? Okay, so for very sophisticated in Gashmis, I guess I'll express it in Gashmis because I mean I, I I don't want to be unsophisticated. But if I'm sophisticated in Ruchnius, so I'll express it in Ruchnius. I'm going to express it somehow. Okay, so the Reb is talking here about very unsophisticated people, simple people. Shoot their arm. Push it to you. And what they do? So the Rebbe says they 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 would say to Hillam with tears. Like we see, the Rebbe says you could see these people. You go into a shul in Europe in the old days. You'd see such people. who nishbar. How many people were educated? You know, well, most kids went to Cheder, and then at a certain point, 12, 13, 14, they stopped learning, and you know they went to work. No, most people didn't. The mass education. That's relatively new in the religious world, in any world, right? But I mean, it's also also in the religious Jewish world, which is why it, it doesn't always work, right? I mean, there's people who, for that kind of education, just doesn't work. They need something else, and that's interesting enough. In the last 10 or 15 years, the religious Jewish world is becoming much more creative in educating children in terms of realizing, wait a minute, there's children who just don't, they just can't go on the conveyor belt like other ones. Because no one, there's never a time in Jewish history or any history of any society where every kid was educated and went on the conveyor belt of education that was just, you know, sort of the cookie cutter education that everybody's supposed to get. That, that never happened, right? Ever. So who was educated that way? The brighter kids and the kids from the richer families where they could afford to send their kids to yeshiva as opposed to bringing the kid into the family store or wherever, the, the, the farm or wherever the, you know, whatever was happening. Like, how many people sat in yeshiva in the old days? Now, Baruch Hashem, everybody sits in yeshiva. Okay, so the, slowly but surely and it, it's mamish, the last 10 or 15 years has been a revolution. People trying to figure out, okay, how to do this. You know, getting much better at it. Right? Noticing people falling through the cracks before they fall completely. Baruch Hashem. It's not everybody is 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 shaykh to you know the same education. It doesn't make any sense that they should be. Everybody's different. As the Rebbe once said, every human being, even two who look alike. If you look at them carefully, you'll notice there's slight differences between the way everybody looks in the end. The Rebbe said, and most people look very different from everybody else. Okay, so I said, just as it is in, in physical appearance, so it is in the nature of every single person. And every single person created has a particular task in the world that is unique to them and different than everybody else's, just like everybody else has a different face, everybody else has a different task in the world. And, and you can, you can be right, so they're going to have to be educated differently and related to differently and do different things. Right? It's the way people are. Right? That's why the Rebbe is able to, to, is able to do you know, what the Rebbe does, right? <laughs> Get so many people to accomplish so many things because he's not necessarily pushing everybody to do the same thing. So, the Rebbe says these people say, we could see the Amir's Tehillim Shalem who believe Nishbar. It's with a broken heart. Oh, now, the, now the, par- the parentheses. And for the next page and a half, a whole new mime. You see? You see? Mordechai, ye of little faith. I could have kept stapling away there. Right. Okay, Amnam. What does Amnam mean? However, it means however. There's no R. <laughs> however, Inyan Amaribus. Now the Rebbe begins the discussion of tshuva in our generation. <coughs> it's an absolutely amazing discussion. This is a watershed for our generation. There's no question. Tavshin Memvav. Again, this was said interestingly enough. Whether there's a connection, I don't know. 
but um, it was said two days before the beginning of the famous trial for the books that culminated a year later in Dida Natsach, Hey Tevis, the trial began on Yutes Kislev, Tavshin Mem Vav, the fact that it started on Yutes Kislev, everybody saw as a pretty good sign. Amnam, this was said Yud Zion, right? This was said on Shabbos, Yud Zion. Amnam, Inyan Amerida Shabbat this notion of bitterness in tshuva, is not relevant to this last generation, our generation, daughter de ikvis of the Mashiach, the generation on the heels of Mashiach. The Rebbe is going to give three reasons why tshuva mimeridus is not relevant to our generation. Now, meridus means bitterness. What is this all based on? We'll see later in the Maimon. On the next page, we're going to see, but we'll talk about it outside now so you'll have the, the understanding of it, the, the, the background. In, Hil, in, in Igersa Tshuva, in Tanya, in the third part of Tanya, so the Alter Rebbe talks about two different levels of Tshuva, two different means of Tshuva. Tshuva Mimeridus, Tshuva from bitterness, which is called Tshuva Tata, lower level Tshuva, and Tshuva Misimcha, which is called Tshuva Ilah, upper level Tshuva. What's the difference? Well, from the names, it's rather obvious. Meriris. Meriris is the bitterness that one feels by virtue of one's distance from God. My Aveira distanced me from a Kaddish Baruch Hu, That breaks my heart. And that is a, a positive way to come back to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Right? It's not negative at all. Right? In, in, in Tanya, it's one, the author Rebbe discusses it in the seventh parak, and he gets a tshuva, the author Rebbe discusses tshuva mimeridus. It's one of the ways of doing tshuva, breaking our hearts from, by virtue of our wrongdoing and coming closer to a Kaddish Baruch Hu as a result of that broken heart. The Maral explains it six, seven generations before the Alter Rebbe, the Maral explains the notion of Lev Nishbar Venitke, Perak Nun Aleph in, in, in Tehillim, the Perak of Tshuva, right? The broken and downtrodden heart. What's broken? Well, what's the heart? So the heart is the source of the Yitzhahara. So if we break the heart, we break the Yitzhahara. Okay. A, a, a definite path of tshuva that works if you do it right. It's called Mariris. Breaking one's heart in order to come closer to a Kodesh Baruch. Okay. So the Rebbe says, it's not Shaykh for our generation. Now, the Rebbe just quoted these simple Yidden breaking their heart and saying to him. So in that context, the Rebbe said, oh, however, I just want you to know. What I just said, it's not Shaykh for us. That's not Shaykh. Now, in all fairness, the Rebbe mentioned those Yidden simply to show the disconnect from tshuva and intellect. That those two are not necessarily one and the same thing, so we don't understand why it is that the intellectual learning of Torah has to be with tshuva. That's why we got to those Jews, because look at these Jews, their tshuva is very, very serious, even though there doesn't seem to be a great amount of intellect, so what's the connection between intellect and tshuva? Okay, we'll come back to that. But in the meantime, the Rebbe says, that having mentioned that, I just want to, want to say something very important to our generation, tshuva mimiris is not our avayda. Why not? So again, we're going to see the first of three reasons. We don't have the power of Inyan. Now, this is 1986. We don't have the power for Inyan Amaritus. Bitterness. Why? So now, the Rebbe doesn't say here. But generally, as it's been explained by the Mashpim since the Rebbe said this, Mimer, that what? What will happen if we focus on the negative? We'll get depressed. Which is the single most powerful weapon in the arsenal of the Yetzirah. Yetzirah wants to win, get me depressed, he wins hands down, because I spend my day feeling sorry for myself, completely and totally self-absorbed, unable to do anything else other than maybe eat a piece of chocolate to make myself feel better. Or worse. Right? Nothing worse than Atzfus. Absolutely the single worst state to be in. Okay. What'll happen? Rather than do the positive Aveda of Meridus, the Rebbe says, in our generation, if we focus on the negative, we'll get depressed, and that'll just push us farther and farther away from a Baruch Hu and closer and closer to self-absorption. And what's the source of the Aveira? Why did I do the Aveira in the first place? Because I got a little too into self and sort of lost sight of my relationship with the Baruch Hu. 
because I was thinking too much of me and too little of him. Okay, fine. My reaction to that is to get depressed. Now what? Now I'm completely thinking about me, meaning that that's not going to help. All that does is push my push me further and further away from a Kaddish Baruch because I'm going to be focusing on myself. Oh my goodness gracious. I'm a terrible person. I did an Avera and I'm a terrible person. Okay. That's not one strike for the Yitzhar. That's three strikes. That's a triple play. The inning's over. Yitzhar wins hands down as soon as I start feeling sorry for myself and feeling negative about myself. We have to talk about what I should do. Okay, well, first the Rebbe's talking about what we shouldn't do. Because what will happen, Marivas is breaking our heart, realizing we have a Yitzhar Hara, but not losing sight of the fact that we also have a Yitzhar Tev, and we allow temporarily the Yitzhar Hara to take us away from a Kaddish Baruch our Nefesh Bahamis, and that breaks our heart, which, which, which empowers the Nefesh Elokis, the godly soul, to bring us closer to a Kaddish Baruch That's Marivas, and it works. But if I delve into how I'm no good, which is evidently, the Rebbe says, so fascinating, the Rebbe says, that's what our generation will do. So that's a disaster. So don't go there. So now, how do you respond to an Avera? So obviously we're going to have to figure that out through, through, through learning the Mimer. We will. The Rebbe will help us with that. But, but first we have to know what not to do. <coughs> don't beat yourself up. Example? Right? Okay. You meet some young guy on the street. You're all going on Mitzoyim. Right? It's Hanukkah. So you meet some guy on Mitzoyim. And he doesn't look like he's necessarily learned a lot of Hasidus, to put it mildly. So, of course, you say, oh, what's your name? Uh, John. Oh, hi, John. John, do you know that you're basically so low that you have to look up to see down? Do you know you're just a complete idiot fool walking in the darkness and I've got a clue what life is about, you moron? Do you want to know what life is about? Let me teach you. Because you're just an idiot and a fool. Because look what you're doing, you dummy. Oh, is that going to work with John? I mean, if I'm John, I run away. But, but right, do you think, is that going to help John get in contact with who John really is? Not a chance, Right? I mean, who in their right mind would say that to John? Okay, so how come you say it to yourself? We all say things like that to ourselves. Oh, you're such an idiot. Oh, you fool. Oh, you jerk. Why do you say that? Oh, that works? Well, it doesn't work with John. Why would it work with me? Who's saying that? My Yitzhahara is saying it. Why? Because he knows if I say that, then I'm, I'm, he's got me like putty in his hands. Because I certainly would never say that to anybody else if I was interested in their well-being and, and, and getting them connected to something positive. I'm going to tell oh, you, jerk. The only person you might say something like that to, which hopefully you never, ever will, but you might have a Yitzhahara to say it to, but you'll overcome your Yitzhahara as your own children. Because parents seem to say things to their children that they would never, ever say to any other human being. Oh, that was so stupid. Why did you do that? And then you go... That was even worse. Like, why did I do that? Okay, but in the heat of the moment, you might say something to your children that you're really, you would never say to anybody else, a guy in sheer knocks off, oh, you idiot, you fool. I mean, you don't talk to people that way. I mean, some people do, but, you know, they should all have a refuish lemma. Right? You just don't talk to people that way. Right? Okay, so we might talk to ourselves that way. The, the, other, the only other people we might, or chas v'sholem, a husband and wife, might say that to each other. The people we feel closest to, we might say those things to. Chas v'sholem. We shouldn't, ever, don't. But that might be a, a battle that you have, to make sure you don't. Okay? Until you win the battle, because you just don't talk that way. Right? Okay. But you might have such a yitzah. Relative to you know your average everyday person, no one, no one says that to nothing. Talk that way to people. I hope. Maybe the guy driving in front of you, you say it to yourself about him, right? as he cut you off. You say, ah, jerk. Right? It's also bad. Like, but that's another place where you might. But you're in this privacy of your own car where no one can see you, of course, you think. 
right? You're surrounded by windows, and everybody thinks they're invisible in there, right? Okay. So it doesn't work. Tshuva mi'atzvus, negativity, doesn't bring us closer to a Kodesh Baruch It doesn't work. Same way it wouldn't work with someone else. Why would I think it works with myself? Right? Okay. Mariris does work. If we could do the Aved of Mariris, then that would be fine. The Rebbe just says, We won't do that properly. If we focus on the negative, we'll sink into a state of Atzvus, not a state of Mariris. Mariris is in the Alter Rebbe. It works. It's a derech in tshuva. Just not for us. What is for us? So the Rebbe's going to explain. Utsrichim, and this is so interesting, because education today, what's it all about? This is the Rebbe 1986. It took the world a while to catch up, as usual. Utsrichim hischazkus vis edidus yaseder. We require strengthening and extra encouragement. This is so interesting. How do we educate children today? With, with a knock on the knuckles like the old days? That's how they used to, and it worked, right? In the old days, it worked. No one got upset, right? We, we can't, that doesn't work today. This doesn't work. Why not? Oh, we have to figure that out. That's interesting. It doesn't work. I mean, I'm saying people are different. People are more into themselves, right? So they'll be more likely to get into themselves mitzad atzvus, then deal with this in some more objective way and break their heart objectively as opposed to subjectively. Okay. Fine. So education is all about encouragement. Telling people how they can, and it's good, and you can do it, which is amazing. Baruch Hashem. And that's necessary for our generation. When I went to yeshiva first, 42 years ago, so the teacher of the beginning shear used to start the year. Now, if anybody said this to anybody in yeshiva today, they would immediately leave completely and totally insulted. He said to us, now this was all well-educated young North Americans who had finished college, right? He said, with the cigarette and all that, and all that. There was a whole show, but with the raspy voice. You can't think your way out of a paper bag. You want to learn how to think? Anybody interested? So I'm like, whoa, this guy's cool. What's he about? So I said, yeah, okay. Okay, so listen up and I'll teach you how to think because you don't know how. Now, he was right, but you possibly say that to anybody today. I mean, they just freak out, like go to their safe space. I mean, you just, it just, it just wouldn't work. And, and rightly or wrongly, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, you just, that's not a method of education today. You can't say that. <laughs> it just wouldn't work. The odd guy would go, oh, well, it's okay, okay. But most people would just be completely offended and leave. Who's this guy think he is? No one left offended. It's a different world. Right. Which is a different, different generation, different world, different people. Okay. Right, wrong, better, worse. Oh, better, worse. It's just different. Right. Okay. <coughs> so the Rebbe says, what do we need today? Encouragement. Therefore, the Rebbe says, in this, ge- this generation, our generation, tshuva must be done misech simcha. We'll see what that means. We'll have to see what that means. Regarding saying Tehillim, it's explained in the Mimer. The reciting of Tehillim, he believed Nishbar, that those Yidin were saying with a broken heart, how do you do a piskam rabbisenu nesienu? It's well known, the statement of our Rabbeim, the sources, the Tzemach Tzedek, Shanimsar <coughs> that was given over to us, my my teacher, my father-in-law, Admar, the Rabbi, Nasi Dereinu, 
the leader of our generation, the previous Rebbe, Ukfar Nitpas, and it's already printed. In other words, it's something relevant to everybody in the generation, because if it weren't relevant to everybody in the generation, it's not shy to print. Right? It could be stay oral, and it would get to the people it has to get to. No, the fact that it's printed, so whenever the Rebbe says that, he means this is relevant to everybody. That's why it was printed. And what's that? Famous saying, Trach gut wird sein gut. Think good and it will be good. Hainu, Shamachshava ba'ifin shaltev. The positive thought. He, Atzma, it itself, Mevia, Ima, Esatev, brings with it the good. Now, <coughs> that idea, Trachut Vetzain Goods, of course, there's a very famous Sikh of the Rebbe where the Rebbe explains it at great length, the whole notion of Bitochen. What does it mean to have trust in a Kaddish Baruch Hu? And trust, the Rebbe says, is not, is not a moon. Trust is not that I trust the Ebersh that whatever he does is good, and if I lose, so that's good, and if I win, that's good. No, that's called a moon. Everything happens because a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants it to happen, and a person accepts it graciously with, with love, hopefully, and with simple. Sometimes hard to do, sometimes not hard to do. Right. Okay. That's bitochen. That's trust. What does that mean? That means, I mean, simply put, that means that a person, by virtue of their positive thought, it's a, the Rebbe explains this at great length in the Sikha, and it's not, we don't have time, maybe we'll talk about it a little more tomorrow, it's already 8.28, but, uh, <coughs> excuse me, the Rebbe explains that the positive thought is that which brings about the positive reaction. The trust in a Kaddish Baruch Hu that I know without a shadow of a doubt, I have absolute complete certainty to the, extent, to the extent that a person is completely calm that everything will be okay because a Kaddish Baruch Hu runs the world and he will do that which is revealed good, not hidden good so I don't see it. No, no, no. Revealed good, that trust will bring about a positive result. Trach good, vedzain good. That's bitochen, the Rebbe says. In other words, reality is completely and totally in our hands. An incredibly challenging sicha. Uh, but relative to a vayda, trach good, vedzain good. Meaning, have a positive thought relative to your ability to serve God, vedzain good. Now, obviously, Kodesh Baruch will help you, but vedzain good, it'll be okay. A person has to have that mindset in their relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, as opposed to dwelling constantly on just how big their Yetzirah is and how it's, a, it's, a, it's impossible to overcome it and it makes Mount Everest look like a valley and, and it's impossible, I just can't do it. Which is you know, what you hear all the time. Yetzirah, 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 Yetzirah. How many times do you encounter Yetzirah in Sichas or Maimarim of the Lubavitcher Rebbe of our generation? Almost never. Never talks about it. What does he talk about? It's a type. Never show the keys. <laughs> he keeps telling you what you are, not what you aren't. It's an incredible challenge because it means I have to change. Right? I don't have any excuse not to change. My Yitzhara. God doesn't know you have a Yitzhara. If anybody has any relationship whatsoever with the Rebbe, next time you have some issue and your Yitzhahara seems to be convincing you that there's certain behavior that might be okay, okay, close your eyes. Stand in front of the Rebbe. Imagine yourself standing in front of the Rebbe. That's easier than imagining yourself standing in front of God because you all know what the Rebbe looks like. I don't know what God looks like. Right? I do know what the Rebbe looks like. You all do. Right? Okay, so stand in front of the Rebbe. It doesn't mean God's not part of the equation. You're trying to relate to God. This Rebbe will help you. Right. Stand in front of the Rebbe and explain to the Rebbe why your position is reasonable and see how far you get before you realize, wait a minute, what am I, what am I, crazy? Like, who am I kidding? And you won't even start the question. Because <laughs> you'll just say, well, this is embarrassing to ask. Okay, forget it. I know the answer. Okay, so now deal with it. Hmm? Can you deal? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. You don't have the character to deal with it? No such thing. No such thing. Do you judge someone else who fails? No. Who are you to judge them? You have no clue what their Yitzhar is. You have no clue what's going on in their life. Stay out of their life. You want to be a good friend and help them? Fine, but don't start judging them. That's not your job. If anybody's going to judge them, it's called God, and he'll do that in his good time, and hopefully the person has a good long time in Elam Hazard before they have to worry about that and just leave them alone. That's not your issue. Don't judge yourself either. Right? Just... 
figure out how to do something positive in the next breath that God gave you. Just do something good. That's we're going to see. That's a, that's tshuva misimcha. Tshuva misimcha comes from the fact that at any moment, regardless of where I have put myself, God is standing there with a smile from ear to ear and open arms, waiting for me to embrace Him. In the next moment of my life, that's tshuva misimcha. I, where did I put myself? He doesn't know where you put yourself. <laughs> you think, right? Oh my goodness! If I'd known that, I would have, I, I, I would have turned around. He knows everything. He knows that the, the, he knows that the stuff you didn't do, and he knows the stuff you did do, and he knows the stuff you thought, and the stuff you didn't think, and the, he knows everything. And for some strange reason, this maybe we don't understand this. He's absolutely head over heels in love with every single one of us, the single most important thing in his whole being is you. Why? I don't know. But don't ask, because you might wreck it. Maybe he'll change his mind. They say he doesn't change his mind, but don't push Don't push the buttons. How do I know that's the case? Because that's what Chazal say, that's what the Rebbeim say, that's what they, all these guys who know what they're talking about, that's what they say, right? <laughs> they all say that, right? Okay. So it's true. Chazal say it. David Melech says it. Yeshaya says it. Yeshaya Novi. I mean, if anybody could start saying nasty things about the Jewish people, it's him, right? He's sitting there, Hever, get it together. Don't you understand? God's going to destroy this temple. And they never get it together. And what does he say? God loves you and he takes care of you. And it, it, like, he's the one that should say, you guys, I mean, you're just, you're just the worst. Well, he sort of says things like that now and then too. Evidently, we could. I guess we didn't take it because we didn't listen. God likes you. So now you might decide that he's wrong. Well, sorry. He's always right. Annoying, I agree. In this case, it's actually very uplifting. <laughs> but he's always right. He's never wrong, ever. One of the things that they say about him is that there's nothing more precious in his eyes than a yid. Nothing, even close. Okay. And that means every single one of us. Even the guy who you've met, who you would think is probably, I mean, if there's one yid in the world that the Ipster maybe doesn't like, it's him. No, he likes him too. Why? I don't know. That's his problem, not yours. I mean, it's yours probably because you're also now you're also commanded to like him. And that might be ours. So come on, you know. Obviously, well, I mean, isn't there a limit? No. There's no limit to God's, and so evidently there's no limit to ours. We're supposed to have it about everybody. Rabbi <coughs> right. Groner once told me, I was listening, I'm sorry, it's late. I haven't seen you guys for a long time. It's just so nice to see you. That uh, Rabbi Groner told me once I was in his office and that the fax machine was in the other room, and it was, it was in those days, it was one of those rolls. <coughs> So, you know, the roll, the old fax machines used to be, right? you always hear that noise. So we're, we're having a conversation, and it just keeps going. There's non-stop in the room behind him. He sits at his desk, there's a door, and the fax machine is around in the next room. And at some point he gets up where I'd have to change the roll. I don't know, it must be that, like, he, you know, he counts to a thousand or something, and then he goes and changes the roll. And I said, but this, this goes on all day? He says, yeah, it's just all day. Never stops. Just one after the other. Never stops. I said, that's just unbelievable. I said, yeah. He said, you'd never believe who sends. So I said, what do you mean? He said, the people who are the biggest opponents of the Rebbe publicly, who spend all day fighting the Rebbe in public, when their mother's sick, facts comes. Everybody knows there's only one address. When their mother's sick, they love their mother more than they love their own politics, and so there's the facts. The Rebbe goes to the oil and, I mean, this was in those, right? The Rebbe go to the oil and answer that fact, you know, try to get a proper for that woman. Aye, this guy's busy calling the Rebbe names. <laughs> Who knows what, right? Mashiach, Shecher, Shecher, and you know, also you name it, whatever name you could say, and still be considered rabbinic. Right? That's in public, in private, who knows? Mother's sick, <laughs> in comes the fact. Daughter is sick, whatever it is, right? In comes the facts. What does the Rebbe do? Ah, 
this guy, takes it, you know, does whatever you do over there, whatever goes on, I don't know. That's called Avis Israel, right? Okay. Well, tomorrow we'll go back to Did we run out? We ran out, right? I know. The, the, oh, two? Does anybody not have a copy? Okay, I always keep one unstapled because you just have to <coughs> unstaple it to make the copies for the people who show up tomorrow without their copies. Rabbi,